Amen. Yeah. Praise God. He's awesome, isn't he? You guys are awesome. Hey, did good. You guys filled in quite a bit. It's good to see you all. I love you. I'm so glad to be here with you. I wouldn't want to be anywhere else, anywhere else than right here, right now, with you as we worship the Lord together. God's doing incredible stuff. He is. I want you to just like embrace what he's up to. I don't understand everything he does. I don't, uh, he doesn't like pass it by me. He just, he's God, you know, and I just trust him. And uh, I'm grateful for the things that he, he does do that, uh, that I'm in agreement with. That doesn't mean everything he does I'm in agreement with, but I surrender to that agreement knowing that he's God, right? That's what it's all about. I, uh, I celebrate with you and um, my wife uh, had a birthday yesterday and I'm not, uh, we're not singing or anything like that. It's not good. I just want you to know. Um, uh, the reason I'm bringing it up is just because you know, I'm just grateful to God for all that he does and the fact that on uh, February 13th, it'll be three years since she had her cancer surgery and that she's in remission and I recognize something as I walk with her in life. Yeah, we praise God for that. We do. I recognize that uh, I've always been blessed to have her, but since that moment of the reality of not having her was so real to me that uh, I do see every day differently and I, I recognize that it's a gift because I've walked down that road with many people, and it hasn't ended that way. Uh, Christian people, pastors, families, I've been with them as they've lost children, uh, just everything falling apart in life. It happens to Christians, you know, because we live in the same world that everyone else does, and just because we're Christian doesn't mean things don't happen. They happen. I mean, you know, She's in remission. When we first went and they were like, yeah, you know, we don't, the cancer levels are down in your blood. And she said uh, to the doctor, we were in there and said, so I'm cancer free. And she said, we don't use that terminology. You're in remission. We tell you that that kind of cancer you have is going to come back. It's just a matter of time. So what we say is you're in remission and we're going to test you every six months for five years and you need to get these checkups because, you know, this is humanly speaking, you understand, like this is the reality of this. So it's like, oh, okay, so you don't use the terminology, I'm cancer free, it's, we're in remission. So why do I say that to you? Because I'm like, I've been with people that didn't get that message. And I'm there with them, and then after, you know, we have that message and we hear what is going on. I, I still wake up and say, you know, why God? I mean, not in a questioning like, why are you doing this? But like, why would you allow us another day together? You know, like, and uh, you know, I just have to step back and be like, man, you're incredible God regardless. And whatever days we have, I recognize their gift. They always were. You understand that? Like, but I didn't see it that way. But today I know it's a gift. And I share it with you because I'm celebrating the gift that God's given to me in my life to have my wife with me and that she's stuck with me. So <laughs> she may not be celebrating the same way I am, but I'm celebrating, okay? And I'm so grateful for that because, you know, one way or the other, one of us is checking out of here. It's just a matter of when. The only, the only difference is going to be is if Jesus comes back first but more than likely, in my human flesh, I'm speaking to you, one of us is leaving here. And I recognize that, okay? And I don't want that to happen, and I'm not anxious for it to happen or anything like that, but it's going to happen. 
Every day is an amazing gift. And as I sit here today with you, as I'm standing before you, I know that I don't belong here. I don't deserve to stand in front of you. I don't deserve to have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And yet I have one. And yet he's asked me and he's honored me to stand before you as your pastor and to be able to share a message that I know comes from the heart of God. And that's crazy. I mean, that's like so mind-blowing to me. It, I hope it's mind-blowing to you, like as you look at me, like, wow, I mean, God actually spoke through that. You know, it's like, who is that guy? I'm nothing. Seriously, I mean, it's like so amazing that God would do that. But I want you to know that God is about to speak into your life. God is. And he's just chosen to use this voice to do it. And that's so crazy. But he's going to do it. And I'm so excited about it. I'm like, wow, God, you're amazing because it's not just me giving you a message. It's God giving us a message. You know that? Like, I hear it from God because he's talking to me about it. And so some of you are just going along on my journey right now. But I want you to know it's God's journey. It's not mine. It's God's journey. And it is the best journey in the world, no matter what it feels like in moments. No matter what it looks like in moments. No matter what it may seem like in moments. It's God's journey, and I want to be all in on his journey. Everything to do with whatever he wants, no matter what uncomfortableness that I have. In this recent past, I guess it's a month, I don't even know, times one of those things has been going on for five years that I've been dealing with, and um, I've been married to my wife a lot longer than that, just so some of you don't know me. I'm not talking about her. I've been dealing with a lot of stuff, but over the last five years, there's been one thing in my life, and in the last month or so, God's dropped like three other things in my life, like, what about that? Hey, what about that? Hey, what about that? And it's been like, wow, okay, all this is at once. There it is. It's in front of you. Now what? So as I stand here before you, by the way, I'm physically okay as far as I know. I mean, I have issues, but you know, it's gonna get, they can get corrected. Um, uh, I have so many things going on in here, you need to pray for me. Like the issues that I'm talking about are, are physical. Some of the mental stuff is going to get fixed when I go to heaven, you know. But uh, let's just deal with what we're talking about. So I mean... As I'm seeing these things that are in front of me, I'm like, wow, God, you know, if I see this, like I can see that going there and this and I can see that going there and there and there like this and all these things. And it's like, it's so crazy, God, that all these things have come at once. And, you know, when I think, I just want to, I'm sharing my heart with you, right? Because I look back over a couple years and I'm like, that one could have dropped here. This one could have dropped in right here, and then I only have to deal with them one at a time, and we could have been all through this stuff, right? Yeah, that's not what God does. He's just like, hey, bam, there you go. Hey, who's God? <laughs> what do you think about that? And it's like, you're just scratching your head like, okay, God, like, oh. So I've learned some things. Aren't you glad I have? I'm still learning, trust me, but I've learned some things. I've learned that in these situations, I've just stepped back and let God, because I'm like, you're going to do this. I don't know what it is. I, I just want you to see that I trust you. That doesn't mean I'm not thinking. That doesn't mean I already have some plans. It's like I'm, who God, only you. 
We're going to look at something in the scriptures here today that I believe God wants to speak to us about, and he's speaking to me through. And uh, it's something so long ago when God spoke to Abram. And what God said to this guy thousands of years ago has impacted mine and your life right now. Right now. That is so crazy. And so here's this guy living life, probably had all kinds of plans and figured them all out and knew what he was doing. And all of a sudden, God shows up with a different plan. So let's hear what God says to him. It's found in Genesis chapter 12, and this guy's name is Abram. The Lord had said to Abram, leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. Okay, so we're going to keep reading in the verses there, but I just want you to hear that God just drops a bomb in his life all of a sudden. You, you follow that? You know what I'm saying? Like, this isn't like God was sending little notes to prepare him or anything like that. It's like God just shows up and says, hey, Abram, you're moving. And he doesn't even tell him where. He's like, you're leaving. Pack your stuff. It's time to exit. I mean, it's like, bam, there it is. Like, all of a sudden, oh, wow, my life is changing. And I have no control. Well, he did. You understand? He had a choice to make. Do I obey what God is asking me right now? Or do I continue with what I know? This is God's word. God says to him, I'm going to show you where you're going. I'm not even giving him a clue. Just I'm going to show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous. And you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on the earth will be blessed through you. Man, is that like, woo, is that a God thing or what? You understand, like, what we're talking about is this guy that's married to this woman with no kids, thinking he's got life all, like, planned and figured out. I didn't tell you yet, but he's 75 years old at this point, right? We're going to read that in the scriptures, but I'm looking at this and... I'm not going to belabor this point, but we are going to continue to talk about this probably until I check out. But listen to what's going on here. As we look at this, we're going to find this throughout the Bible. And here it is right here in the book of Genesis happening again. Throughout our lives and throughout the Bible, God is bringing us to moments when we have to surrender, trust, and obey. Exactly what's going on here. It's exactly what's going on. Abraham had to pack up everything and begin a journey to the unknown. He had no idea where he's going. God just said, pack it up and move. Leave the familiar. Leave the securities of your normal. Get out. I'm going to begin something new with you at 75 years of age. And so I'm going to tell all of you that are looking at your retirement, those of you that are in your retirement, those that have been in your retirement, are you ready for God to drop something new in your life or do you think you got it figured out and you just want to cruise it out? God's not going to allow you to put it in cruise control. I want you to know that. God has a plan and he may not even reveal the full plan that he has for you until you're 75 years old and then he might not tell you the details. 
He's just like, here I am. I got something going on. Follow me. All right. Uh, Abram, pack it up. Let's go. You don't have to have any ideas. I'm God. Got it figured out. Let's go. That's an absolute surrender, isn't it? That's an absolute trust, and that's an absolute obedience because the Word of God tells us in the chapter 12, verses 4 through 8, it says this, so Abram departed as the Lord instructed. So obedience, man. Isn't that awesome? I love it. This is why this guy is impacting our lives today. That's why, right there, because he packed up his stuff and moved, not knowing where he was going. That one act of obedience has changed my and your life for all eternity. That's pretty mind-blowing when you think about it. You know, like, he had no comprehension of the vastness of what he was doing in that moment. God spoke it. Oh, people will be blessed through you, right? But this is him and his wife with no kids starting off on a journey at 75, but you and I, in all eternity, are going to be celebrating him packing his suitcase and taking a journey. And this is what God's word tells us. So Abram departed as the Lord instructed, and Lot went with him. That's his nephew. Abram was 75 years old when he left Aaron. He took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, and all his wealth, his livestock, and all the people he had taken into his household at Aaron, and headed for the land of Canaan. When they arrived in Canaan, Abram traveled through the land as far as Sechem. There he set up camp beside the Oak of Morah. At that time, the area was inhabited by Canaanites. Okay, so I'm just going to, like, let's just, can you get a visual with me? Like, he just, like, takes off in a direction, right? And he ends up in Canaan. So now we're looking, at, and he's camping here, and, and he's just in this place. And obviously, Abram's a stranger in this environment. And there's people that live there already. It's their place. Right? I mean, it's not his, and he doesn't even think anything of it. He's just camping here. And God's word tells us that it was an inhabited place. I love this. This is God, right? Okay, so here he is camping on a normal, like, camping trip. Like, he doesn't even know where he's going and probably making plans for tomorrow to head in some other direction. And this is what God's word says in the very next verse. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, I will give this land to your descendants. You see how God's not bound by what's around us? He's like, I don't care if the Canaanites live here. I got a plan. And my plan is that your descendants are going to live here. This isn't going to be their land. It's going to be yours. And I'm going to do this. Check out what Abram does right here in verse number 7 here in the latter part. And Abram built an altar there and dedicated it to the Lord who had appeared to him. And it's awesome. I love this. You see, like God made a portion of the vision and plan real to him. And right there, he put up an altar. Like right there. So I'm just going to tell you this right now as we move through this. You need to start building some altars in some critical places in your life when God says something. Because when God says stuff, it's important. And usually when God says stuff, there's some time before he says something else. And in the time from the time he said to the next time he says, sometimes can get a little bit cloudy. And it can get confusing to us because the current moment doesn't make sense to us. 
and we can be lost in the wilderness in our minds and seeing nothing else changing in our life. And so we're like, kind of like, wow, really? Like, this doesn't feel like a plan of God right now. And so then there's always the altar. So I'm telling you, right, me, Dave, I'm not a good journal person. I was challenged to do it. So I did it, I think, for like three years. I got some books somewhere that I wrote in. Every day I, before I went to sleep, I would write something in my journal, you know. I, I don't do that anymore, just so you know. I'm like terrible at that. And uh, anyway, whatever. Um, God didn't ask me to do it. So a person did. So I did it. If God asked me, I would do it, okay, just so you know. But no, I'm not doing it. Uh, so, but this is the point of this, that when God does say something, I put it somewhere. When I know God said something, I absolutely put it somewhere. It's going to be in a device, an electronic device. It's going to be in a written journal somewhere. It's going to be in a folder because I, I want to hold that because when God speaks, it's important to know. And so what I do with that is like when I'm over here in the confusion of the moment, I just look over there and there's that altar like, oh yeah, still right here, God, I got you. You got me. I trust you. It's that rock-solid moment that you need to hold on to, church. So let's make sure that we're resurrecting some altars in our life where we know what God has said and we're holding on to that for everything. Abraham built an altar there and dedicated it to the Lord who had appeared to him. After that, Abram traveled south and set up camp in the hill country. Important. We don't live at the altar. It's a moment of memorial of recognizing that God brought us here, but he's not having us live there. He's still leading us somewhere. The altar is going to be there to remind you, but we keep going. Now, what does he do? Abram traveled south and set up camp in the hill country of Bethel to the west, and um, with Bethel to the west and Ai to the east. And there he built another altar and dedicated to the Lord, and he worshiped the Lord. Isn't that awesome? See, what we see right now in this guy, the reason why God's making a covenant with him and calling him to do this is that God was a regular part of his life. He built altars of sacrifice and worship to the Lord. He had a relationship with God and he wanted that. So wherever he was, he was going to worship God. That's awesome. See, like the worship of God and the service of God is not tied to a specific place. And a lot of people are like, yeah, that's why I don't go to church. Well, you're wrong. Okay, you need to go to church. We're talking about a daily life and there needs to be worship and in, in the in moments of meeting with God in your daily life as well as in the house of God. All right, so let's leave that alone and God get stuck. Let's move forward. Now, as Abram builds the sacrifice, we remember last week how God's the one that initiated the sacrificial system by killing the animal, giving the skins to Adam and Eve, life for life, all that kind of stuff. So we see this act of Abram it's happening long before the law was given to Moses for the children of Israel, where there's a detailed uh, worship structure of sacrifice that God gave. We know that in Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, but this is Genesis. But God already established a sacrificial system by sacrificing the first one. We see it in Cain and Abel as though sacrificing to the Lord themselves. We find sacrifices going on to God in the Bible prior to the law. So now we see as Abraham is stepping into obedience in his worship of God in a regular part, God gives a promise. Descendants are going to be like all over this place. 
Nations are going to come from you. Nations, plural. No kids are happening right now, though. You understand, right? God's speaking all this when Abram and Sarah have no kids. So life is going on now. In the moments between the altar experiences and all these things and the promise of God. And um, God visits him again. And when God visits Abram again, he reaffirms the covenant. And in this while, remember, there's no kids involved. And so when God visits him this time, Abraham says to God, like, uh, you know, I know I don't have kids, and the way things work here, this is like for real, I'm saying, like, the way things work here is my servant, who's my manager of everything I own, he's the one that's going to inherit everything that I have, because that's the way the culture and the, the ways were in that day. So Abram's reminding God and saying, you know, hey, the way it is, is here's, it's going to be this way. Because you told me it's going to be a different way, but nothing's changed. Therefore, here's my heir. So this is where we read again, right? Genesis 15. Then the Lord said to him, nah, your servant won't be your heir. I love how God does that, right? It's just like, uh, hey, God, this is, this is kind of the way things work down here. And God's like, nah. Not going to happen. <laughs> For you will have a son of your own who will be your heir. Then the Lord took Abram outside and said to him, look up into the sky. Count the stars if you can. That's how many descendants you'll have. And Abram believed the Lord. And the Lord counted him as righteous because of his faith. <sighs> you see, like, I love this because, church, I mean, I've been in this situation, not like that literal, I'm saying, like in those moments where God's saying something to you that really doesn't make sense, and it doesn't fit the current moment, but he's God, and he's like, check it out, this is me, I, I did all that, I'm doing that, just so you know, Abram, look up, this is God talking to you, and this is what's going to happen. So, you know, like I said, culturally it was normal for his head servant to become the one that would take over everything when he dies. It's like the will would transfer all possessions and all everything over to this guy. But God was up to something. So years go by. Church, I'm talking about years go by. And still no kid. No child. So Abram and Sarai, that's their names at this point in their life are, you know, like navigating through life and times are going and, you know, I, Abram's like, God's going to do this. We're going to have a kid. So his wife has an idea. And this is what it tells us in Genesis 16. Sarai, Abram's wife, had no, not been able to bear children for him, but she had an Egyptian servant named Hagar. So Sarai said to Abram, the Lord has prevented me from having children Go and sleep with my servant. Perhaps I can have children through her. And Abram agreed with Sarai's proposal. So Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar, the Egyptian servant, and gave her to Abram as a wife. This happened 10 years after Abram had settled in the land of Canaan. So we're just going to pause for a second. And this seems all weird to us. I understand that, and it is. But see, in their culture, again, things were different. And so when you look at the cultural setting, just like Abram said to God, this is my heir, and he's like, nope, you're going to have a kid. Sarai's listened to all this, and they're living in a culture that says, hey, she belongs to me, therefore she's part of me. If you have a child through her, that's, 
fulfilling everything. Now you got a kid, you got an heir. It's still part of me, Sarah is speaking, because she belongs to me, therefore this is me. I got it all figured out. I have a kid with her, and we'll have that one that God promised. So you see, just because culture says things are okay doesn't mean God says they're okay. And just because it makes sense to us doesn't mean it makes sense. Now we're looking at this, and Abram is now 86 years old when Ishmael is born. So remember, God gave the promise at 75. Now he's got this kid, and he's 86. And everything just seems to be going okay. You know, it's like some years pass, and Abram's making the plans. Guarantee you, Abraham was making plans for Ishmael to be the heir. That was the plan. That was the purpose in this entire thing. But there's always problems in the home and in life when you're executing your plan versus God's. So they're dealing with issues in the home. Abram is now 99 years old, and Ishmael is now 12. And God shows up. <laughs> you know, like what I was talking about earlier, it's like I think God can show up more frequently than he does in my own life to give direction. I'd really like that. God shows up when he wants to at the time he's appointed for the purposes that he means to execute. And so here God shows up. And he shows up to affirm his covenant with Abram. And in this moment where he's having this conversation with Abram, he changes his name. Look, church, listen, he's 86 years old. He's been Abram his whole life. And God's like, yeah, they're not going to be called Abram anymore. Your name's Abraham. By the way, your, your wife's name, I'm changing hers too. It's no longer Sarai, it's Sarah. And it's like, really? Like, <laughs> it's crazy, isn't it? Like, God just does this. And he's like, this is what's happening right now. Uh, and God tells them this, so we're going to read these things, and then God drops a bomb in everything they thought they had figured out. Genesis 17, then God said to Abraham, regarding Sarai, your wife, her name will no longer be Sarai. From now on, her name will be Sarah, and I will bless her and give you a son from her. Yes. I will bless her richly, and she will become the mother of many nations. Kings of nations will be among her descendants. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? Woo, that blesses my heart right there, man. We're talking about a woman that was 76 years old. Uh, more than that, 89 years old. Right? Like, I mean, God says, like, I'm going to do something, and I already told you I was going to do something. But now that God drops his bomb into his life, it's like, whoa, I thought I had this all figured out. Listen to what happens right here. Then Abraham bowed to the ground, but he laughed to himself in disbelief. It's like, are you kidding? Like, how could I become a father at the age of 100, he thought. And how can Sarah have a baby when she's 90 years old? So sorry, I gave you the wrong age, but she's 90. No wonder he laughed, right? I mean, let's just humanize that for a minute. I mean, we may be crying, not laughing, but I mean, the sense of the matter is, is that God's saying this, and he's like, yeah, <laughs> I'm 99 now. I already got the kid. I got it all figured out, you know? We got a plan here. So Abram said to God, 
May Ishmael live under your special blessing. <laughs> but God replied, nah. Sarah, your wife, will give birth to, to you. Sarah, your wife, will give birth to a son for you. You will name him Isaac. The name Isaac means laughter. God does have a sense of humor. I love that. And I will confirm my covenant with him and his descendants as an everlasting covenant. So church, as we look at this story that we, we know, I mean, many of us that were raised in the church, we know the story, but we just need to pause for a second. And, you know, we serve a God of the impossible. We sang amazing songs today in our worship about him being the God of the impossible, and he makes mountains move and giants fall and all the things. We look back in history and we see all that stuff, right? Those are our altars to look at for our faith. Now we look at this situation and I see this thing going on and we serve a God that is always faithful to his word. What he says he will do. God said to Abram, I will do this. And God did it. But it happened in God's time and not Abram and Sarah's time. And what happens often is we act like they did in the waiting. We don't want to wait. We start acting. And we start making our own plans. And God's time is always perfect even though it seems so imperfect, it seems so long. <laughs> and, and it requires waiting. I don't know of anything God's asked me to do. I'm seriously, I'm thinking in my life. I don't know of anything God's asked me to do that he didn't require me to wait for. Well, salvation. I just asked and he did it. That's the only thing. Forgiveness. True. But I'm talking about anything in my relationship with him that he's asked of me has always required me waiting on him. And so when we wait, it usually takes longer than we think it should. I think a lot of things God could have done earlier. See, now I know he can because he's God, but then I think about it and I'm like, you are God and you could have, and in my humble opinion, you should have maybe done this sooner than you are, okay? So I have had this problem throughout my life. The reason I told you earlier that I have four things going on right now is because I'm learning a lesson, as always, about waiting on God and letting him figure it out because my tendency is to submit it to him. I just want your will, guy. And then I go back to my table at home and I'm like, so we do this and this and this and this, this can make that happen. <laughs> and then I'm doing that with this and this and this. And so I look at these four things and I'm like, there's no way I can like coordinate these things to all function correctly in the moment. And God's like, oh, really? <laughs> you finally got that, eh? Because <laughs> you already knew if he'd have given them to me one at a time over the past two years, he and I would have had a plan. <laughs> right now he's just like you want my plan or you're gonna figure it out you know and so now it's the waiting and God's like I have a plan what I see here in this little story of Abram Sarah and God in this moment is I see someone presenting their idea to God asking it to make it uh, his plan you see what he did like God said I'm gonna give Sarah a child he is going to be a father of nations and kings and all this stuff's going to come out of Sarah. 
And, you know, ha, 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 that's funny. Uh, how about if you just do that with my guy? Right? You just bring Ishmael to the front. You're God. You can do this. Just adopt my plan. I already got this one going. Why would you start something new when we already have a plan? God's like, uh, I have a plan. I've had it all along. And it doesn't include your plan. It's so crazy how sometimes we do that. You know, we want God to adopt our ideas. We're supposed to submit our plans to God. Please understand that. I'm not saying don't submit, but don't submit it afterwards asking for his blessing. Because <laughs> that's a lot of times what we do. Something important for us to notice in this whole scenario is that when Sarah comes to Abram, remember this, church. Remember, God spoke to Abraham and he shared that with Sarah. This time, Sarah speaks to Abraham and gives her, him an idea. Something's missing in this little account. When Abram and Sarah came up with this idea, we don't see Abram building an altar. We don't even hear that he sought God. What we do find is that he heard his wife and agreed to her plan. Now, I'm not saying we shouldn't listen to our wives. Don't misinterpret that and go home and say, see, I got a plan. You should listen, woman. That's not it at all. Okay? <laughs> all right? Sorry, just want to keep us in context here, right? No, what I'm saying is, is that he already heard God's plan. Another plan can, comes to him. It could be from anybody. It comes from his wife. We're most vulnerable to the one we love the most. And she gives him an idea. And he doesn't bring that idea, nor does he invite her to bring that idea to God. Instead, they make their own agreement to fulfill the plan. No altar. He was building altars and sacrificing and worshiping God throughout. And here's this critical moment. And there's no altar. Man, I'm like, oh God, please, please help me to make sure that I don't just come up with my own ideas and figure it out and make it work and then come to you and say, here's my mess, fix it, you know? That doesn't mean he won't, church. Don't misunderstand me. God's an amazing God. He said he would bless Ishmael too. He did. He told Abraham, I'm going to bless him. Not the way that I have a plan for. So we see in God's account that sometimes what God does doesn't make sense to us. But he still has a plan. And he doesn't have to make sense to us. And he doesn't have to go according to our ideas or thoughts or our processes. Um, he doesn't have to agree with culture. And he doesn't have to accept our ideas or our terminologies of our relationships. He doesn't have to do any of that. He's God. Therefore, just because something makes sense to us doesn't mean it's okay. You know, I mean, I've figured a lot of stuff out in my life that wasn't okay. <laughs> I mean, it's, I'm not saying that lightly. I'm just saying, like, it's like, man, is God leading my life or not? we got to seek his direction first in our decisions and plans in order to stay within the boundaries of our relationship with him. This doesn't mean we don't just come up with plans or ideas. No, we are supposed to. So don't, again, like, let's stay on task here and say it's good to have plans and ideas. It is. 
But make sure you submit those to God and wait for his direction on them. Don't simply submit them and tell them what it's going to be and then go act on it. That's often what I've done in my past. I've just like said, hey, I've got to make sure I go to the altar, so I bring this thing to God, and I'm saying, hey, God, this is my idea. I think it meets the call in my life, what you want to do, and so therefore, here it is. I want your will, and then I go do it. I don't wait to see if he's given the affirm or if he says, that's not my plan. Here's my plan. So can you just chill out a little bit and wait. We're not good at that. I don't think there's a human being on the planet that's good at waiting. <clears throat> so we need to pray. We need to read the scripture. We need to seek wise counsel. We need to do all those things because those are biblically given to us throughout the Bible of things that we're supposed to do to get wisdom and understanding in our plans. But ultimately, it's the surrender of that stuff, trusting God in them and letting God act in the moment of showing in revelation what he wants. So I've often quoted part of this verse here uh, in messages, and I've said it to you guys a bunch of times, and don't even know the last time I read it, but today's the day we're going to read it. It's found in Isaiah 55. And so I want to read this. Listen, seek the Lord while you can find him. Call on him while he is near. Oh my goodness, that's so awesome. I just want to pause there and just, we're going to keep reading. You already know I'm going to pause. So just, here we are. Listen, seek the Lord while you, he's given you this moment. He's given me this moment. And he is here. And he's like, seek me while I'm here. So here's an invitation of God. This is why we do a weekly altar call. I'm asking you to meet God while he is near. He's always present, but there is a stirring that he does when we come together to hear from him, like right now. And so when God's speaking, we've got to come to him while he's near and call on him. It's that moment matters. Listen to the next statement that's made in that verse. Let the wicked change their ways and banish the very thought of doing wrong. Man, when you're in the presence of the living God and he is holy and you know it and you're right there with him, it's like, oh, I don't want to live that old way anymore. I want to live for you, God. Let them turn to the Lord that he may have mercy on them. Yes, turn to our God for he will forgive generously. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? What a great word right there. God will forgive generously. I don't care how screwed up you are, how stupid things you've done, or whatever's gone on in your life, God will forgive generously. He's waiting for that. He's ready to pour it out on us. He's amazing. But it doesn't stop there. Listen, my thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord. My ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my, my ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. Man, you know, when we think about what God's saying to us right now, he's like, look, I'm God. Please don't think you figured it out. Because you don't. I mean, the best thoughts you can have are still way down there compared to my thoughts. That's what God's telling us. And he's like, you know, you, you think you've got a way figured out? He's like, there are no boundaries or obstacles to my ways. God says that to us. He's proven it. We sang about it. 
He's like, Ezekiel, look at that. That's dead bones. We're like, when we see dried white bones, we know they're dead. He's like, can they live? And he's like, whoa, hey, God, you know, um, you know that. I, all I see is death. God's like, mm, speak. Watch what I can do. Right? Children of Israel up against the Red Sea. And they're like, trapped. Moses, why'd you lead us here? Why are we going to die? God's like, what are you crying for? Put your rod out over that water. Watch this. Walk on over. Get on over the other side. Well, watch this. Like, come on, Pharaoh, run in here. You're gone. Church, you, you follow me? Like, God has no boundaries. Abram's 99. He's like, ooh, it was a miracle. I had a kid when I was 86. I got a boy. God's like, he ain't the one. I'm going to have you and Sarah have a baby. <laughs> oh, man. Can you imagine that 90-year-old lady going to uh, pick up something at the market and she's pregnant? <laughs> God's up to something. That's amazing. So cool. I love it. I love how God does stuff. He's amazing. So check this out now. Yeah. God says to Abram, he's like, look at those stars. That's going to be your descendants and all that's going on. And in Abram's entire life, he saw one boy. You understand that? Isaac. One. When he went to the dinner table, it was him, Sarah, and Isaac. <laughs> it wasn't like a huge table. He didn't have to get out the leaves and extend the table for more. No, one kid. God says, look, I, I want you to know I'm, I'm going to give you that many descendants. So no matter what you look at, it doesn't stop me from who I am or what I'm doing. It may seem small and insignificant to you. That's only one kid. But God says, I got a plan and I'm up to something. And so remember that thing about waiting? Hundreds of years pass. And then there's this guy, Moses, who's one of the descendants of Abram, Abraham who sees that burning bush, and God's like, hey, uh, I need you to go down there and get these guys out of that place and bring them on over here. And God births a nation. Hundreds of years later, he births a nation. He's amazing. One part of the promise is fulfilled when Israel leaves captivity in Egypt and steps across into Canaan and possesses that land and becomes a nation. God's good to his word. He's not limited by time. Hundreds of years later, he's like, I told you, there it is. But church, look, the, the thing about blessing all peoples through him didn't happen for thousands of years. <laughs> Jesus came. Jesus is the direct answer to the promise that happened right there when God was speaking to him and said, I'm going to bless all nations through you. That didn't happen for thousands of years. Like I said, like, you know, like God, was, there was a lot of times that could have been dropped in. God's timing is perfect. I don't understand it. Follow me? I mean, like, we're looking back there and we see all this stuff and it's like, man, God said he's going to do it. He's going to do it. So as I see this, it's like the craziest thing is God does these things and our flesh doesn't fully get it. We have all these altars of history to show us the Red Sea, the dry bones, the Abram covenant. Uh, there's so many things. King David, the promise to him and the heir to the throne and Jesus and 
Uh, a virgin will conceive. Doesn't make sense to me. God said it through Isaiah, and there it is. Mary's having a baby. <laughs> okay. So now let's move on to the fulfillment of that promise from God through Abraham to all of us. Jesus. So Jesus, the Word, became flesh and dwelt among us. John chapter 1. The fulfillment of God's promise was that He would make a way. So God Himself is born as human. Jesus. He did not start at Bethlehem. He pre-existed and always was. He is God. And the Word of God clearly teaches us that God Himself became flesh and dwelt among us as Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the Savior of the world. In that context of what God tells us in the Scripture, Jesus tells us that He came for this purpose. If you follow the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, as Jesus is ministering with the apostles and preaching to people and teaching them about the kingdom of God, He lets them know, I'm going to be handed over and killed. Jesus tells them that, right? Y'all know that, right? He knew He was coming to die. So let's go to the Passover dinner, the night that everything's about to go down. John 13, 1. Listen to it. Before the Passover celebration, Jesus knew that his hour had come to leave this world and return to his Father. Jesus knew the plan, came to fulfill the plan. He knew the plan was about to be executed, right? We got all that. It's right there in the Bible for us. We know in that, that setting that's happening, this is the last supper, the Passover, just before his crucifixion, and Jesus knew it was the moment of truth. He washes the disciples' feet. You'll see it there in John 13. They're on their way out to the garden. They're arguing who would be the greatest in the kingdom still. He comes to that place in the garden. All 12, 11 are there because Judas left to betray him. There's 11 disciples. He's like, hey guys, can you just like stay right here and watch and pray? And then he says, Peter, James, and John, you boys come with me. Brings them over here. And he's like, hey guys, like, I am like heavy and burdened. Something's about to go down. I need you to pray for me. Leaves those guys there and then he goes over further. And the word of God says this to us in Matthew 26. He went on a little farther bowed with his face to the ground, praying, My Father, if it is possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. Yet I want your will to be done and not mine. It's important that you and I understand this. You've heard this prayer, you know the story, but hear what I'm saying to you right now. God's plan, God's purpose, coming to fulfill the plan of God, here in the flesh, it's like, oh, Feeling in the flesh what the plan of God is. Jesus is like, is there any other way? Any other way? Show me now. Change the plan. Alter it a little bit. Make something else happen right now, but not what I'm asking for. Your will be done. Then he returned to the disciples and found them asleep, and he said to Peter, couldn't you watch with me even one hour? Keep watching, pray, so that you will not give in to temptation, for the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. Then Jesus returned, left them a second time, and prayed, Father, if this cup cannot be taken away unless I drink it, your will be done. 
When he returned to them again, he found them sleeping, for they couldn't keep their eyes open. So he went to pray a third time, saying the same things again. Then he came to the disciples and said, go ahead and sleep. Have your rest. Look, the time has come. Son of man is betrayed in the hands of sinners. Up, let's be going. Look, my betrayer's here. So I read these scriptures to us tonight. As I read the uh, scripture teaching right here in this lesson, I'm like, man, you know, God, um, we have a lot to learn here. And as I see this, it's okay to ask God to do something even to what he's already told you. You see, we read that already. Jesus knew the plan, already had proclaimed the plan, owned the plan, was all part of the plan, and now he's like, whoop, hey, uh, can we alter that a little bit? It's okay to ask. It is. And it's not just that he asked it once. He says he asked three times. He's like, is there any other way? See, sometimes when we follow God's plan, it is always roses. It's still his plan, and it will be favorable in the end, trust me. But sometimes in the moment, his plan can be very difficult and hard on us in our flesh. But when we surrender to God's plan, we trust him in it, we act in obedience, the glory of God is always to follow. God will always be glorified when it's his plan. And as we look at what's going on here, it's like, man, it's okay to ask God to change what's going on. Don't, don't be afraid to ask. But at the same time, don't forget, his will needs to supersede ours. Submit all the plans you want to. But make sure that all your plans are under the will of God and what he wants more than what we want. And don't start executing your plan while you're waiting for him to give you an answer. So we're learning some things from God's word. So as I look at this, you know, sometimes it's hard for our brain to wrap around even what God has already revealed. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if our brain can wrap around it or not. It's what does God want from us? No matter what it is, ultimately, it's going to require me to surrender, trust, and obey. No matter what it is. Okay, so I've spoken to you guys a lot about, it's been a, it'll be 18 years in July that we've came here to be your pastor, right? And you guys already know I didn't want to come here in the beginning. And if you're new here, I didn't want to come here, <laughs> okay? <laughs> We're from Michigan, flew out here to candidate, never been to Tucson. Long story short, I didn't want to come here. Um, I'm going to tell you what I saw in my flesh. Okay, that'll help you understand me. I came and I saw a broken down church over on Broadway that was old, small, and needed work. And the color was purple. Okay, not offended to purple, but it was purple, you know, like, anyway, we won't go into detail. I saw this church, and then I went in the fellowship hall that was full of garbage, like literally, and non-functioning. And I met some people, and they were, uh, in Dave's opinion, not uh, who I wanted to be around. I'll just leave it like that. How's that? Is that a better way to say it? Like, see, I, they looked not normal to me. All right, I'm not saying they weren't normal, so don't 
try and figure out who was there. Uh, most people are dead with Jesus now, just so you know, so you don't have to start looking around and figure out, hey, have you been here since the beginning? No. Uh, so I'm letting you know some things, right? So this is Dave coming here. Like, I wanted whatever God wanted. See, I flew here intending, like, hey, God, whatever you want, I'm all in. And then I looked at it, and I'm like, this is definitely not what you want. I am not all into this. And therefore, I'm sure you're going to tell me I should go somewhere else. So now I'm going to pray to you. God, um, I'm here because, you know, I'm open. But (laughs) I already know you don't want me to do this. So can we just like get past this and let go over here? Because I knew I didn't want to tell God I wouldn't come here. I knew that. I'm smart enough. I'd been walking with God long enough, like, I'm not going there. I would never do that. But what I would do is, like, say, I I know you don't want me there. I already know that. I can see that. There's so many of these things that I don't like that I already know you don't want me there. Therefore, can you show me where you really want me? And let's just get around this thing. So, like, as I'm praying to God, I'm seriously coming to him and say, I do want your will, God. I want you to know that because I know you're God and I'm, I'm yours but I know that that can't be your will. I just, I just know. So you see, like we can manipulate God in our prayers as we submit to his plan by telling him we already know his plan doesn't include this. Because, I mean, I know me. And I know him. And there's no way that he wants this for me. So anytime you want to answer God's request of you with a butter and if you're probably in the wrong i'm just letting you know that now so you can probably assess your prayer time with them so i'm talking to the lord and i'm like you know and so i was scared to say do you want me to seriously i was really scared to say that so i wouldn't i wouldn't even ask him if it's what he wanted from me i wouldn't i was like talking to him and saying i want your will i kept telling him that because i really do I just didn't want his will to be this. So I was in the garden with Jesus, is what I was doing. I'm like, there's, there's got to be another way. <laughs> there's got to be another place. Whatever you want, though, I'll do it. But I'm not asking you, like, I'm not willing yet. I'm not saying yes to it. I'm still letting you figure it out. That's my holy clause, right? I mean, just keep myself right with God. I'm giving him an option to figure something else out. all God wanted was, hey, Dave, are you willing to let me be God and do what I want to do, or are you going to, like, tell me what needs to happen? And I I, honestly, I'm telling you, I I know better than to tell God what needs to happen. I was just scared to let happen what God wanted to have happen because I didn't want that to happen. And so I, I want you to know this, like, 100%. Um, when I finally came to the place where I was just like, if that's where you want me, I will go. I, st- I mean, I get emotional. I can't help it, man, because it's like it was in that moment of my surrender and trusting God and being obedient to him. In that moment, the Spirit of God fell over me like amazing, like amazing, like phew, flooded me. And in that moment, I knew this is where God wants me. So I'm telling you that because, see, 
up until that very moment, I saw everything as I don't want to be a part of that. And after I said yes and said yes, I looked around me and I saw everything that I wanted to be a part of. That doesn't mean the church changed. It was still a mess. It was still purple. And the fellowship hall was still full of junk. When I got here, and they said it wouldn't be. (laughs) They, not you. I'm just saying, all right? Oh, that'll be all taken care of when you get here. It was like several years before that got taken care of. Okay, I'm telling you all that, church, because you see, once I submitted to God's plan... Oh, everything changed. Everything changed. I saw things differently. Oh, wow. I actually love this place. I mean, I'm telling you from my heart right now. I love Tucson. I don't want to be anywhere else. I want to be right here. I want to be the pastor of this church. I want nothing else. And I have looked back in my life, and I see these altars, and I'm like, man, God, you are so amazing. How in the world will I not submit these four things he's got in my face today, knowing what I know? You follow me? I'm, I'm declaring to you now I'm not negotiating with God over these things. I am trying to figure out under his guidance what I need to do. But I'm not like, this is what's going to happen and I have not gotten myself involved. I am like, God, I don't want to get involved. I've already seen what happens when I get involved. I don't want a but or an if in the sentence at all. I just like, hey, whatever you want, I'm in. The first time. You don't have to negotiate with me. You don't have to like drag me along or try and open my eyes. It's just like, I'm in. Are you ready to be that way with him right now? See, are you currently facing a crisis in your life and you're trying to make a plan or fix it? Church, like, let's submit that to him right now. God wants us to surrender that to him and just trust him in the moment and then be obedient to what he says. In the time that he's not talking, just wait. It's okay. Do what you're doing right now. That's all. Nothing else. Just do what you're doing right now. For him, I'm talking about, in your relationship with him. Until he says something different, just do what he's asking you to do right now. Let God reveal his plan in his time. He is never in a hurry. As painful as it may be, he's teaching us something. He's like, I'm God and you're not. My ways are far above your ways. My thoughts are far above your thoughts. Please see me as God. See who I am. Trust me. So are you trying to figure out a way around stuff? Have been using the buts and the ifs when you're talking to God? It's time to surrender that stuff, church. Stand up. Let's have an altar call. Sorry, I, I don't mean that like lightly at all. Not at all. You know that scripture in Isaiah that we read? You know? Mm. Seek the Lord while you can find him, call on him while he is near. He's right here. Holy Spirit is so faithful, man. figured out. God, we don't have it figured out. (laughs) Lord, I pray in Jesus' name that you'll drop a bomb on us today. That's what it takes. Just like, bam, there it is. Right in the midst of our completely smoothed out, figured out life. Drop a bomb on us and say, I got a plan. (laughs) 
surrender, Lord, to whatever it is that you want.